I mean, Terry was a, a what you might consider a bit of an old-fashioned centre-forward. He was strong, he was fast, um, and he had the ability to, to, to score goals, be in the right place at the right time. Welcome to the latest episode of Wearing the Red and Green. In this week's show, I speak to Mike Worth, brother of former striker Terry Worth, who was a prolific goalscorer at Stagmeadow in the 1960s. Terry sadly passed away last year, but Mike and I discussed his career at Stagmeadow, what he loved about Windsor, his spells at Maidenhead and Slough, and his youth team years at Reading, where he once played against the likes of Bobby Moore and Jeff Hurst. I hope you enjoy the episode. Mike, thank you so much for joining the podcast. It's absolutely fantastic to, to, to have you on. So thank you. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It's always good to talk about my brother, who was a bit of a hero for me in my youth because I was 12 years younger than him. So uh, when he was playing at Windsor, I was only a, 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 a youngster. Well, listen, it's great to have you on and um, it's just fantastic to be able to to be able to dig into Terry's career and a career that not only saw him represent the red and green, um, but also play against some big, famous England greats, such as Bobby Moore and Jeff Hurst, as, as well as playing yeah. in various tournaments and winning tournaments for Reading in Germany. So lots to, lots to cover. Um, and I'm really looking forward to this, but, but let's start at the beginning, actually. So like, what kind of player was Terry? And and talk us through some of his youth football and, and how football for Reading came about. Yeah, I mean, Terry was a, a what you might consider a bit of an old-fashioned centre-forward. Right. Um, he was strong. He was fast. Um, and he had the ability to, to, to score goals, be in the right place at the right time um, and make things happen uh, in the goal area and so on. Um, and he obviously showed that sort of ability quite early on, playing for school, and uh, ended up playing in the Reading Minor League. Right. Um, he, he played in a, in representative games. I've got the program for Reading and Berkshire Boys Club. Okay. Um, and it was it was a representative game, um, and a number of the players who played in that game, 1958-59, uh, were names that continued to be familiar right through his career, really. People like Brian Pitts, who played for Maidenhead for donkey's years. Right. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, Chris Palethorpe, who played for Reading. And, you know, the, these names keep cropping up. And I think uh, through, through playing in this, at that sort of level, he then was picked up by, uh, he picked, played for in the Reading Minor League, again, reaching representative level. A minor at that time was basically youth football today. Yeah, was, I, I would think that would be under 18s. Yeah. 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 Under 18 level. 
so he played at the, in the Reading minor league, represented the, the, the uh, yeah the representative team, um, and then progressed from there into Reading's A team, the the, the third team of Reading Football yeah. Club, if you like. So the, the, these names keep cropping up, and that's the important thing. I think it's quite interesting. So there was an affinity between the, all these young lads uh, as they progressed through Reading's football. Uh, um, levels, you know. Now, a few um, a few bits to touch upon from his very successful time at, at Reading. I know that there was a tournament that he played in in, in Germany, um, a tournament which saw Reading go on to win that tournament. Talk us talk us through that particular competition because there's a, good, a few good stories there. Yeah, it it was a it was a, a tournament played in Germany. And there were teams from across Europe in, in, involved in it. Um, May 1959, we're talking here. Right. So, again, it's, it's an under-18 level tournament. The Reading manager at the time was Harry Johnson, okay. who people may, may recall or have read about, was the captain of Blackpool in the great Stanley Matthews Cup final. And he became manager of Reading, but he also accompanied this team to Germany, largely on the strength, I think, that his son was also in that team. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so they went off to Germany. They would, I think, the tournament was split into two groups, and uh, the winners of each group played in the final, basically. Um, and Reading played Germ teams from Germany, Austria, Sweden, and Denmark. Um, and they were basically billed as England. Right. Uh, so it was the Reading under-18 side completely. Um, so they played They played uh, four games or four or more games, actually, um, in the build-up to the final. And he scored seven goals in those games. Uh, so they reached the final having not lost. A couple of teams they played against were Salzburg and yeah. Duisburg, you know, pretty well-known German yeah, yeah, yeah. and Austrian teams. And the final was against Bochum, who, again, that were I think play still play in the Bundesliga at this moment in time. Um, Bundes uh, Bochum had lost a game in their group, whereas Reading hadn't. Uh, it finished nil-nil, the final. And so they... And it was... It was an exhausting heat the games were right. playing. Interesting. The games were 15 minutes each way. That's all. Uh, but it was so hot. And the reason they were 15 minutes each way, I believe, is because there were so many games they were trying to fit in over this this, this weekend. Um, it was played in Newminster in Germany. It was a sort of celebration of football in Newminster. They, they held this European tournament in, in that venue. But they had to get all these games in. So they were 15 minutes each way, played on a full-sized pitch um, in exhausting heat. So nil-nil at the end of the final, five minutes extra time, still nil-nil. Another five minutes extra time, still nil-nil. <laughs> the competition organisers weren't quite sure what to do at that stage. So they played another extra time period, this time of 10 minutes. Nil-nil. <laughs> so at the end of that period, uh, got their heads together and they decided the only gay way that this was going to be decided was to 
toss a coin. So they tossed a coin, and uh, man, uh, the captain of Reading was a chap called David High, and he called correctly. And so Reading won the tournament. Um, many thought that was that was correct, as they hadn't lost a game all the way through it anyway. Yeah. Uh, but they won the tournament. They were presented with the trophy, and each player also uh, was received a trophy, uh, which was really nice. Um, and my brother was so proud of that because, as he always said, he was in the only Reading side to win a European tournament. <laughs> Love that. And probably, and probably there won't be another one. I was going to say, I, I can't see that being repeated at least any time no, soon. Indeed. At least any time yeah. soon. The, the saddest thing about that is that apparently, <clears throat> and I've spoken to a chap called David Downs, who's a renowned historian of Reading Football Club um, and has access to, you know, everything to do with the club. There is no, they, they do not have the trophy in their trophy cabinet. Mm. It doesn't exist. That's a shame. So, yeah, alongside the Simod Cup, it would have made quite good, quite a good cabinet. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> Probably not much else in it. The famous Yeah, no, Cup. nobody, no, it, it's lost in the annals of time, that particular tournament, it seems, which is a great shame. Yeah, and, massively. Uh, you know, he was very sad about that. <laughs> now, listen, another big game um, to touch upon during that period, 1959, was a Southern, if I get this correct, a Southern Junior Floodlit Cup semi-final yeah. against West Ham United um, and a West Ham United side that featured Bobby Moore and Jeff Hurst. Talk us, talk us, talk us through that and what that was like for Terry to, I mean, obviously he wouldn't have known at the time what those two players um, would have gone on to achieve. Well, it's interesting that the, the I've got the newspaper report from the Reading newspaper, and and in the, on the photograph, it it actually calls uh, Moore and Hurst international. They, so they were already presumably Reading uh, England youth internationals, um, and continued to do so, of course. But the red the the West Ham side um, also included other players who went on to play in West Ham's first team, Harry Cripps. You know, m many people will know Harry Cripps and um, Jack Burkett, for example. These, these were players who went on to represent West Ham. Um, and the game finished 6-3 to West Ham. And the, and the, and the, and the Reading newspaper says, star-studded hammers have all the luck. I don't know whether you can score six goals and still be lucky, but there you go. Uh, and the Reading side included also included players who went on to the first team. So we got Arthur Wilkie in goal, Gordon Neat, Peter Shreve, who was Tottenham manager, of course, uh, who also played in. You know, the, he also was part of the the youth team in Germany. Mm. So plenty of play and Gordon Neat, who was the legendary Reading um, groundsman. For many years after his playing career finished so he went on to play for all the way through reading with terry and into the first team but then became groundsman nice story <laughs> so was terry up against would, would terry have been up against bobby like would bobby have been um you know the center half marking him 
Well, according to the newspaper, Moore and Hurst were wing-backs. Oh, okay. So they were playing in midfield. Um, but the paper does have a photograph of both of them jumping with Terry uh, for a header, which is a, a, probably the best photograph that one could ever wish for. 100%. Uh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And, and, of course, I've got the cutting of that as well. Now, Terry um, obviously didn't continue professionally at Reading. Did he, you know, w why was that? Did he, did, he, did he regret not playing professionally at, at Reading in the end? He did regret it because he had the opportunity to. Um, and again, there's another great story there. Uh, the Reading manager lived in the same road as ourselves, as our family. And he walked down one evening to sign Terry on as a professional player. Um, now, in those days, of course, professional players were paid a pittance. Mm. Uh, there was no money in the game at all. And my parents had paid for Terry to, to go to private school and were insistent that he took up a career and made a, you know, made a good life for himself. Uh, and that didn't include being a professional footballer. And they actually insisted, or my mother did, I think, more than my dad, <laughs> that he wasn't going to sign. And I guess in those days, uh, as, a six, uh, as a 17, 18-year-old, you did what your parents told you. Yeah, yeah. So he had to accept that decision that um, he wasn't going to sign as a professional player. And therefore, he didn't have the chance to play in the first team, where so many of the others that we've named already did have that opportunity. Yeah. And he regretted that uh, simply because he said, I would have liked to have known how, co how good I was. I don't yeah, know exactly. He, he didn't know. Um, but he was, you know, he was, he was a great goal scorer wherever he played, mm. uh, which was nice. Yeah. Now, obviously, he mm -hmm. made the move into non-league football um, with Maidenhead. Um, how did yeah. how did the move to Maidenhead come about? Like, why you know why Maidenhead? And how did he find? Because my second part of that question is going to be like, how did he find the difference between the level that he had been playing to obviously the level that Maidenhead were at at the time? Yeah, he was playing for Reading Reserves regularly. Mm. Um, uh, it's 1960, 61, 61, 62 seasons. Um, and toward, I think at the end of the 61-2 season, Maidenhead was still playing, whatever, for whatever reason, Maidenhead had a lot of games still to play. Yeah. Terry was uh, basically a free agent, I suppose, at that point, And he played a number of games... He played a number of games for Maidenhead at the very, very end of the 61-62 season. Right. I don't know how that came about, to be honest. I really don't. Um, but having played those games, Maidenhead were obviously keen for him to sign on uh, for the 62-63 season, which he did, of course. 
Now, it's interesting, isn't it, with amateur football in those days? It was called amateur football, but I reckon there was some money floating about somewhere, you know? Yeah. So he might have been he might have been tempted with a few a few <laughs> quid in his back pocket. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but he signed on, and uh, I think he felt very comfortable playing at that level. Yeah. Um, he was used to uncompromising defenders, and he got kicked about a fair bit, to be honest. But thankfully, he he didn't ever receive any da- uh, nasty, sinister injuries. So, uh, uh, and he continued scoring goals. Yeah. So I think he, he was the sort of player, as long as he was scoring goals, he was enjoying his football. Love that. Uh, and uh, they had a pretty good season, 62, 63 at Maidenhead. Um, you might well ask me then, why did he leave to go to Windsor? I was Windsor? about to say, yeah, why did he, what tempted him? So obviously the following season he, he joined Windsor and came over to Stag yeah. Meadow. What tempted him over to, to, to Stag Meadow? I don't, I don't honestly know the answer to that. But it, with, with Terry, it would, obviously, it would, it would um, usually be something to do with the manager. Yeah. <laughs> if he didn't like the manager, uh, he would he would lose interest to a certain degree. Um, so it could well be that the manager of Windsor was the reason he moved. And I think it was, I can't remember his name. I think it was some Jackson, I think his name was, yeah. the manager. Yeah. And I think he, I think he must have... Uh, um, talked with him and found him somebody he could get off with. Right. So he was he was happy to move across um, and play for Windsor. Yeah. And and he thoroughly enjoyed it, as he says in the Royalist Review, yeah. uh, 1966, Volume Eight. <laughs> he put, uh, I can honestly say that it is at Windsor that I feel really at home. Always a friendly and warm atmosphere with never any evidence of tension. All players and officials are helpful, and I appreciate the courageous efforts of the committee members. All in all, Windsor and Eaton is a great club. So lovely words. That must be one of the reasons he was there. I remember, not that I remember being there at the time because of, of my age, clearly, but I remember that that, you know, that time was a very successful. Windsor side. It was a very strong Windsor side. Can you remember anything that he may have said about, you know, from his perspective, how good he felt that side was? And were there any kind of teammates that he often referenced um, in terms of particularly rated, highly, etc.? There were. I think I think the club in general, and Terry certainly, always felt they should have got promotion. They yeah. were in I think are in Division Two of the Athenian League, and he always felt that they were plenty good enough to get promoted into the top division. Um, and it was it was a, something that he, you know, it was a great shame that they never did. Um, and I think, yes, I say, I think all the club were geared up for that, but didn't quite manage it. As far as players are concerned, two players in particular always jump out 
and that's Ray Mortimer and Eddie Babcock. Mm. They were great mates of his throughout his time there. And they all play. I must tell you the story of the the Sunday league side that they Mm. all played for at the same (laughs) time. They played in the Reading Sunday League for the TA team. Right. The, uh, the Royal Berkshire uh, Regiment of, of TA. And this team had a, all the top players um, who played in non-league football locally. And they won th- that league for three seasons without losing a game. Uh, and Ray Mortimer, and, Ray Mortimer and Eddie Badcock were part of that team, as were others. People like Terry Lambert, I think he played for Windsor. Derek Sparks, who played in goal for Windsor at various times, you know, and, and yeah. probably one or two others as well. They also won the, the Army Cup and they also won the TA Cup. They travelled all over the over the UK playing qualifying games for these tournaments. They really were the top, top club around. And the only thing that let them down, in my opinion, is that they played in in striped shorts. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, blue shirts and blue and white striped shorts. Yeah, sounds Sounds like they put that the wrong way round. That should have been the shirt and the shirt should have been the shorts. Yeah, absolutely. But the the point is that this Ray Mortimer and Eddie Badcock were particularly good friends of his, as was Derek Sparks, the goalkeeper, yeah. Did Terry ever share, um, like you know, what some of his favourite games were or memorable games at Windsor? I think one of his most memorable, memorable games was against Aylesbury United in uh, uh, December of '65, right? Uh, where where Windsor and Eton slammed seven past Aylesbury, seven-two <laughs> uh, the score, and Terry scored four of the goals. And I think that's, you know, that would be one of his great memories of playing for, for Windsor, four goals in a game. I love that. I love that. Now, over the next like few seasons, it, it seemed like Terry was at Windsor. So he was obviously had that initial spell at Windsor where he was at the club for three or four years. He then left, I think maybe went to Slough, came back to yeah. Windsor, left again, then came back again. What was it that kind of kept tempting him to come back? Well, it's again, I don't know the full answer, but I'm I'm sure it was to do with managers and and, and his love of Windsor and Eaton, really. Hmm. But I guess guess Slough had had come into for him and it seemed a bit of a challenge to to get up because Slough were playing in a higher league. Yeah. And I guess... You know, he looked upon it as a bit of a challenge, and uh, he met that challenge okay because he scored. He played a, a handful of games for them. I think it was the beginning of 65, 66, 66, something like that. But he scored a handful of goals for them in, in the games that he played early season. Um, but he he for some reason they decided to move him out to play on the wing. And he really didn't like that at all. You know, he was an out-and-out centre-forward. Yeah. Um, and he could score with both feet. He could score with his head. He felt that being tucked out on the right wing wasn't where he should be. And I reckon that had something to do with it, quite honestly. Mm. And he probably had a row with the manager. 
because um, he didn't mince his words, did Terry? <laughs> um, and I think uh, he he decided that nah, I don't want any more. I don't want any more of this. Um, so yeah, he probably got in touch with Windsor, and they said, "Yeah, come on back." And and it's a similar sort of story with Maidenhead, I guess. You know, whether they said, well, there's a few quid in it for you or something like that, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But again, he drifted back to Windsor um, and continued there uh, um, through to the 67-68 season. Um, and where did he go after Windsor? Well, he more or less packed up playing, um, I think. I have, I, he definitely played a game or two for Thatcham Town, mm. but that didn't work out for him. And uh, may, maybe he'd had enough by then. Um, and he, he worked for the Prudential. His career was in the Prudential. And he ended up uh, running the Prudential team in the Reading and District League. He was the manager and uh, okay. um, he played as well. Um, and and he, he carried on playing. Um, and he even, it, 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 it even led to me playing for the team as well, because it was the team was Ibis and they, they played in the Reading and District League. And one day he was on the telephone trying to put a team together for a game that afternoon. Somebody must have phoned and dropped out. And he said, I can't get anybody to play. And I said to him, well, I'll play. Now I played at school and, uh, I considered myself to be okay. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I went and played and, uh, it, and after the game signed on and played for four or five years for them. That must so, have been great though, to be able to play alongside. I mean, did, did, I did. did Terry get to play many games or did he just stay as manager? No, he, play, he played. And, uh, that and must you're have been great to play alongside him. It was absolutely amazing, yeah. Absolutely amazing. <laughs>
uh, if he was coached, you know, if he had really good coaches behind him, um, I think he'd been okay because he 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 can knock a ball around. As I say, he can hold a, he can hold the ball up. He could score with either foot. Um, he could he could use his head well enough. Um, so with good coaching, uh, I reckon he could have done okay. Yeah. <laughs> growing up, growing up, who was his um, who is his big influence? Growing up, like, who is his who is his who is his hero? Well, for some strange reason, when he when he was when he, well, about nineteen fifty eight or so, I, I I was only six or seven at the time, but I remember him being a great fan of Newcastle. Right. Um, quite where like oh, I think I do know where that came from actually because my mother's family who we had no real connection with but they came from Newcastle and I reckon that must have been where he got the love of Newcastle from and uh, uh, his sort of footballing hero at the time would have been Jackie Milburn who was an out and out centre forward of the yeah. old school type yeah, yeah. Uh, so both playing at centre forward he would have he would have been a bit of a hero I think which leads me to a story. Okay, go for it. About Jackie Milburn. Uh, okay. Because, uh, when Terry played for Windsor uh, for Maidenhead 62 63 season, strangely, uh, Jackie Milburn, who, who uh, um, had moved down south from Newcastle, was playing for Usley uh, uh, from Middlesex. Um, and Maidenhead were drawn at home against Usley, who were in a higher level, playing at a higher level. Uh, but Reading were drawn against them, and Jackie Milburn played in that game. Mm. Uh, and it, Terry must have, well, Terry always said, I played against Jackie Milburn, uh, which was, you know, fantastic for him. Uh, a bit like me playing with Terry, it was better <laughs> on the same pitch as Jackie Milburn, you know. Uh, yeah, so that that was great, and even even better was the fact that Maidenhead won the game. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, do you know what? I mean, from what you've said about Terry tonight, I mean, you you just reel off some of those names that he's he's graced a football pitch with: Jackie Milburn, Bobby Moore, Jeff mm. Hurst. I mean, that I think that says that says it all really about the caliber of player that uh, you know that that Terry was. To be able to to be good enough to have uh, been on been on a pitch with with players of that that ability, yeah, and and he was looked upon by all those players that he played with. He was looked upon at ready. All the players considered him to be a professional. Yeah, and and and, and the, there's a, another good story there because in Reading for many many years. They had a, a football reunion evening. Mm -hmm. It was organised by, a, a, funnily enough, by a chap who played for that territorial army team. But it included local uh, players of, of some stature from local football, good names, well-known names who also played in various um, for various teams around Reading, as well as ex-Reading professional players who were from Reading, basically. Right, right. 
And at the end of, and, and I used to go to these evenings with him. And at the end of the evening, the photographers from the newspaper would take a picture of the professional Reading players and the players um, from the, the non-league scene. And the professional players from Reading said, Terry, you're with us. And he had his picture with them rather than with the non-league players, which I thought was absolutely lovely. Mike, I'm yeah. going to finish. I'm going to finish okay. with one final question. One sure final thing. question. Of all of the goals that you saw Terry score, what was your favourite? Well, I saw so many, which was good. I can't pick a goal individually that I can remember. But every goal, <laughs> every goal was the best goal. That's a brotherly <laughs> answer. That's a brotherly <laughs> answer. Yeah. yeah. Mike, listen, thank you so much. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and... Um, you know, it's just fantastic to be able to to talk about memories of a of a player from you know the period of time that was a very successful period for Windsor, um, but to be able to just share those stories and and for supporters that you know may not have been born and been around at that time, just to hear the stories of players of of the calibre of Terry because. You know, one of the reasons I've always wanted to do this podcast is to make sure that, you know, as many memories as possible are never forgotten. So thank you. Love the conversation. And, you know, I hope that, you know, we've been able to share some great memories of of Terry, um, you know, not just for people that remember Terry, but for future generations that, you know, we want them to remember and hear about stories from the past. So thank you. And thank you for the opportunity because... Uh, it's it's absolutely brilliant to be able to keep his name out there, really. Uh, so not, thank you very much. Not a problem at all. And listen to to all of you that have you know downloaded and and enjoyed this episode. I look forward to bringing you a, another guest in a in a few weeks' time. <laughs>